0: You know, to take a little creative license with that old Albert Hammond song, It Never Rains in California, but man, it snows. (laughs) Good morning, and welcome to Media Insultant, where my co-host, Keith Samuels, is in Los Angeles recovering from hail, storm. Was there any pestilence involved, or was it just weather? No, lots of pestilence, of course, but
1: epic winter storm last week. This is the second one we've had in uh, two months. We had one in late de- late December that was wicked, and then we had this one—you know, six and a half inches of rain at the hacienda here on the hills—and it was a mess. And we had the proverbial power outage for 36 hours, so it was it was not a happy time over the over last weekend. But we're back. We have just a little bit of light rain this week—Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday—rain, and then we're we're you know we're out of it. But boy, it has just been dismal. Record amounts of of snow, and those radio folks that and television folks that are watching and listening, Mount Wilson is the location for most of all the signals towers, the transmitter towers, for all the uh, full power FMs and television stations in LA, and they got fifty inches of snow in two and a half days. Okay, that's <laughs> that's, that's 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 normally a decade of snow on Mount Wilson, and. If anybody is planning a trip to L.A., you're going to fly in and see a winter wonderland like you've never seen before. And we're Do they typically get snow at Mount Wilson? They'll get snow at Mount Wilson. It's a little bit over 5,000 feet. The snow level for this storm last weekend was 900 feet. I live at 880 feet. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I was I was ready. I had the Sorel boots that I used to walk around in the snow out in Issaquah. You know, I had my parka. You know, it was I had all the stuff out from
0: twenty years ago and didn't have to use it. Well, we're just glad you're back and warm. Power's back on, heat's back on. I was very concerned about you. I was afraid I was gonna have to come down there and show you how to start a fire or something. I know how to do that. That's what those gas lines are
1: for that go into my fireplace. So that was I was work that was working okay.
0: Thanks for your care. All right, let's do a quick rundown on today's podcast, Keith. Uh, We have a uh, personal story about character and recovery. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is kind of my personal story. And AI suddenly is everywhere, and that may not be a good thing. And I know this is going to shock you. You just can't believe Ed Stoltz is back in court. I mean, come on, Keith. It's the drama that keeps on giving. In Seattle, (laughs) I'm Jackson Weaver, and uh, in Southern California... It's my handsome co-host, Keith Samuels. Glad your power and heater back on. Keith, we'd like to welcome you to the Wednesday, March 1st episode of Media Insultant. Sadly, I learned just the other day that a broadcaster I had worked with, Keith, had died, but he died back in 2020. And so I don't know whether it was COVID or exactly what the circumstance was, but boy, was I out of the loop because, you know, I just had not heard that he died. But okay. as he, he passed away in Hawaii, so I guess, you know, I don't read the Hawaii bit, so I can understand why I might have missed it. His his name is Les Parsons, and uh, our paths oh, yeah. crossed. You remember Les? Yeah, yeah, from KJR. KJR, that's right. He was news director on KJR for a thousand years. And he worked with some of the real legendary guys in Seattle radio, people like Charlie Brown and Pat O'Day and Gary Lockwood. So hearing about his death brought to mind a story because when I was running KJR, Les and Gary Lockwood were our morning team. Very highly rated, very successful show. But over the years, Gary and Les began to really get on each other's nerves. They were just constantly bickering. And that's okay behind the scenes. You know, some of that tension's probably all right. But it began to come up on the air, and it got to the point where they were, (laughs) excuse me, they were pissing on each other on the air, (laughs) and we couldn't get them to stop. So what did you do? Grow grow up, boys. Well, we had to do something. That's exactly it. Now, Lockwood was under a long-term contract and very expensive, so he wasn't going to go anywhere. And also, he was our morning anchor and probably more important to the sound than Les Mm -hmm. was. So we decided, sadly, that we had to let Les Parsons go, in spite of his many years as being a staunch news guy in the market. So brought him into the conference room, and uh, Rick Scott was our program director at the time. He was there with me, and we let him go. And it was one of the most horrible terminations. You and I have both done terminations. This was the worst termination in my entire life. Oh. He starts sobbing. He oh. falls on his knees. Oh, he Begs for his job. He says, Jackson, you can't do this to me. KJR is my whole life. I can't exist unless I'm on KJR. So it was just horrible. It was just, it was embarrassing. It was humiliating. It was just, just terrible. So uh, you can imagine my surprise when a couple of years later he called me and said he wanted to meet me for a cup of coffee. I thought that sounded a little risky. You know, is he? <laughs> yeah. Is he armed? Is he, is he armed? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, so we sit down to have a cup of coffee. And he says, you know, after you fired me, I went home and I put my tail between my legs and I just felt so sorry for myself for a couple of weeks. But then I looked out the window and I had bought this sailboat that I wanted to refurbish and I hadn't had time to do it. And he had plenty of money because we paid him for 10 months. It was a union contract. So we paid him for full salary for 10 months and Uh, he had a pension. Yeah, yeah. So he says... Well, so he looks at the sailboat, and he goes, I'm going to build the, rebuild the sailboat. So he did. He built the sailboat and finished it up. And then he went on a cruise, and he cruised to Hawaii. Well, that's, just not, a, got, that's
1: just not cruising the sound. That's like 2,500 miles across the freaking Pacific Ocean.
0: Pacific Ocean, exactly. So here's what happened next is he gets to Hawaii, and he goes, well, that was fun. Maybe I'll just keep going. So he sailed all the way around the world in the next year. No, and he came and, and he came <laughs> back to Seattle. He came back to Seattle, and he he had uh, uh, he he, called, he wanted to sit down and thank me for firing him. He said, oh. "You know," he said, "it was the best thing that's ever happened in my life." And you know, he continued to sail. He he finally settled in Hawaii, lived on his sailboat. That's where he died, which is wonderful, I guess. But you know, he was he was so grateful that he'd been fired because. It gave him the freedom to do what he wanted to do in his life.
1: Yeah, fulfill his dreams. That's amazing. fulfill his dreams.
0: So my takeaway, things always turn out for the best, even when it looks like shit. (laughs) And we've all seen that. Yeah, yeah. And I just got to take my hat off to Les Parsons because he showed real class and character in coming back to me and telling me that story, that he's taking advantage of his new freedom to reinvent himself. And, you know, we're in a business where a lot of people are getting – terminated or fired or just frustrated and leave the business and i guess my encouragement out of this is that you can use this freedom you have to reinvent yourself and go do something else or find another part of the business that you like that you can sustain yourself in so
1: yeah look at us that's
0: my that's right like (laughs) us you know making fabulous money like we never dreamed we'd make Mm -hmm. doing our own podcast oh i just haven't shared it with you It, it just sits in my account all three dollars of it. Okay. Anyway. All right. So on to our next story. You know, AI is everywhere. We've talked about it for some time since Chat GPT kind of came on the on the uh on the horizon. And everybody now thinks that they're coming for their jobs. And maybe they are. <laughs> they <again>. are, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Futuri, which is one of the vendors to the radio business, announced that they have what they uh, call a localized AI radio content mm-hmm. solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a localized AI radio content solution. And they call it, are you ready for the what they call it? They call it Radio GPT. GPT. And what AI does, apparently, is it scans a couple hundred thousand sources for local news, social media, anything that's going on, and they create a script of locally trending stories. And then, and this is where, you know, I guess I don't get to do a weekend shift anymore. Then it uses AI voices to create the content. So they don't even give the copy to a jock or an air personality or an on-air guy. Not at all. Alpha Media is doing uh, some beta for Futuri. And I guess my question to you, Keith, is, hey, what could possibly go wrong? Well, if you were one, well, this is your your story
1: about Les Parsons is a, is a great lead into this because there's going to be a lot of people let go as a result of this live and local capability that Futuri's uh, experimenting with because it does in fact it, this is not a, this is not automation this is computer generated this is an artificial intelligence emphasis on artificial voiced content that they think is better than anything an out-of-town voice tracker could do. Well, that at least that voice tracker's a, a live human in a studio somewhere that's actually thinking about what that radio station's doing. This is even better because we can scan so many more sources. The AI-voiced jock, the AI jock can be so much better than anything you're using via voice tracking that it's the second coming. It's really interesting. I saw Tom Fishburne's co- uh, car- cartoon on Monday. It was, really, it was really classic. It said, a year ago, all we could talk about was Web 3.0 and moving our business into the metaverse, right? That was a year ago. Now, that was it. Now we're all insane over... AI and this ChatGPT stuff, and sure enough, Futuri and Daniel Asterding, Astendig, whatever Astendig is, they're totally into this with all four feet. That they're going to use GPT, ChatGPT, and AI to voice your station. Isn't this awesome? Oh <laughs> man! And then I, well, so I watched a little video. They have a little demo of, over at Futuri. And you know, Futuri's got some really smart people. Sophie Fry works there. She's a tremendous talent. They just hired Jay O'Connor to run like some division of Futuri. You know, the former Cairo manager. So, yeah. Uh, and so they're they're out there doing it all, shaking and bacon. But the little demo they had had this little emoji AI cartoon character, female, uh, okay. and, and she was voicing all the stuff that she can do that you just talked about. And it was so close to real, but not, you know, it was just, this is, this is a computer voice, you know, it's like, you know, uh, it's like the automated phone systems you talk to. So, yeah, you know, my takeaway is, is that there are radio stations and companies that are so desperate to cut expenses and to cut on-air personality, to cut people, those are the biggest expenses they have, that they'll do that to voice overnights to voice middays, whatever they're going to, weekends, you know, all those shifts that you're doing voice tracking and paying somebody for, now you can just pay you Futuri a lot less for their AI jocks and get away with it. So, you know, it's like, okay, is that where we're going?
0: Giving people well, but, more but, reasons
1: not to listen? Well,
0: that's true. That's true. And, and, and if that's the implementation, that's true. But, you know, we're already hearing, um, I was uh, reading a story that the other day that Microsoft is having, real problems we are having to work or doing some work around with with this because what's happening is chat gpt is getting very inappropriate they had a new york times reporter who was integrating with chat gpt and the chat gpt tells him i'm in love with you you need to leave your wife <laughs> and so very inappropriate kind of stuff plus you know the the other possibility is that you know if you look at it yes it could replace a disc jockey, but Keith, somebody's got to curate it. You can't take a chance that these guys that it's going to pull up something that's dirty or obscene or inappropriate or, you know, has all the wrong answers. There's going to have to be some kind of curation, and I don't know how they'll work that through. So, well, yeah, hey, but, we have the
1: same problem with disc jockeys, right? I mean, you know, well, I, <laughs> you know, so you never know what they're going to say, but Al. Alpha Media is testing this in beta at, in one of their markets or a couple of their markets. They were raving about it in their uh, in the press release. So, you know, this is a story we got to keep our eyes on. And whenever there's an AI, you know, we're, we're going to find out where where Alpha's doing this, and we'll and we'll try to get an air check and find and get that. But it'd be,
0: it'd be interesting to hear what it sounds like. Exactly I, I agree. right.
1: Exactly I right.
0: Agree. Well, I can see a couple of things. First of all, it's probably better than doing some of the stupid sweepers that uh, stations are doing that we're so tired of. It might make some sense initially too for things like a newscast. It might be a good place to start. And we've already talked about spot production and copy creation. But uh, and there's, but there's going to be disasters in this, Keith. You know as well as I do. That's uh, that's inevitable. And there'll be some great stories to tell about it too. <laughs> <laughs> so so can you
1: lose? Can you get fined by the FCC for what your chat? Your Radio GPT
0: personality says? Absolutely. You absolutely. are responsible. You're responsible for That's right. it. That's, That's right. right. Okay. okay, Keith, now you're not going to believe our next story. And I know those who follow our podcast are going to be shocked. They're going to be shocked. They're going to be startled. They're going to be breathless. And why is that? Why is that, Keith?
1: Because Ed Stoltz is back in the news. The bankruptcy uh, trustee uh, is really upset with Ed. And is thinking about appointing another trustee or ordering a liquidation of the company. Shocking! This is, wasn't this the story a couple of years ago when they gave Larry Patrick the, you know, when he was named a trustee or receiver to to run these stations. I mean, this is this is deja vu all over again.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. And just to refresh uh, people, uh, the, the story on this: uh, Ed Stoltz has three stations: San Francisco, Las Vegas, and Palm Springs. He went into bankruptcy about three or four years ago, I think, to because he hadn't paid his music rights bills. And so as a result, the stations have been in and out of court, and it just it's just been one of the biggest clusters that anybody's ever seen. Most recently, as you said, Keith, the uh, bankruptcy judge gave the operation of the stations back to Ed because... Because what did he do? He promised to operate them for the benefit of his many creditors that had come out of the woodwork.
1: And I'm going to work to sell these stations to pay off those creditors. So, you know, I can get a lot more for these stations than Larry Patrick
0: is willing to pay me for it. It seems that everything he said he was going to do, he didn't do. I mean, he he failed to confirm a reorganization plan. He failed to hire a bankruptcy attorney. And I think the court is particularly pissed that he's been given the opportunity to revitalize the stations, get some cash flow out of them. He's done absolutely nothing. And then he thinks that uh, these stations are worth probably 10 times what they're really worth legitimately, maybe even more. $15 million for a station in Vegas, $5 million in Palm Springs. Nothing sold in Palm Springs for five million in thirty years. <laughs> yeah, and, so uh, yeah, you're right. And, and then, and then he said he had suitors. He had four or five companies who were looking at buying the stations. Well, that's not true either. It just he's done nothing. Right. And so, and and yes, his, his, for,
1: his former law firm, the uh, it's it's the law firm known as the Minson Law Group. And Minson is primarily a bankruptcy and and, and personal injury attorney firm in, in Las Vegas, and they and Ed owes them one point five million. So they they've been pounding at this same bankruptcy judge to go. We want our money. We haven't been paid. So this really kind of got the the uh, whatever the uh, the person overseeing this attention, and and there's been no reporting. There's been no no follow through. Uh, on any of the uh, uh, reporting mechanisms that she ordered Ed to live up to, and so she's had it. So I think what we're going to see in the next few weeks is that is that either she's going to name a second um, receiver receiver to do this or, or order liquidation. Now, what's also interesting is that Larry Patrick and VCY, the buyers that he had lined up for these stations... Had offered to pay Ed six million dollars for a, for the, the the three stations, right? And they and Ed wouldn't take it. Now they had an offer on the on the uh, table late last year that expired in November for four point five million for all this stuff, right. and you know get out of this. And there's we're trying to get confirmation on whether or not that that offer still exists. But in the trades, there was they're saying they're not sure. But it's, this is just this is just crazy making, and that's what. That's what the Minson Group pointed out. They pointed out to the bankruptcy court that Ed will do anything to keep these radio stations, anything. So, and they know firsthand. So, I you know, I think that the judge has finally had the scales come off her eyes and said, whoa, wait a minute, you're right. I gave this guy a year, and none of this happened, and I have all these people showing that, that he wouldn't perform to this and never would because he's never going to sell the stations, and now he's going to have to be forced to, I hope.
0: Yeah, but I, I would disagree with you on one thing. I don't think he will do anything. I think he'll lie about anything okay. to keep the stations. Perhaps. He obviously won't do anything. He's done nothing. Yeah, yeah. So as we've observed before, be careful who you do business with. A lot of creditors holding the proverbial bag at this point and yeah, There are. No fun. Okay, hey, you had a quick personnel note you wanted to talk about.
1: Yeah, this broke on LinkedIn on Monday morning, and uh, we'll keep our eye on things. But, you know, our old friend Michael O'Shea from, you know, Cube in Seattle back in the day. And Michael O'Shea is one of the great programmers and managers in radio. And Michael now is running Lawrence Amaturo's five stations in uh, Sonoma. So it's, it's it, north of San Francisco. It covers Sonoma, Napa... Uh, uh, Vallee, Santa Rosa, Santa Rosa, too. Rosa yeah. Petaluma, you know, all yeah, that air. all that wine, all yeah. wine country. When you go to the wine country, you're in the coverage map for, for Lawrence Amaturo's Sonoma Media Group stations. Michael O'Shea runs them day to day. Both Lawrence and Michael hired a, a market manager. They hired a guy out of San Francisco by the name of Steve DiNardo. And Steve was a... A fixture in in San Francisco, uh, he was the general sales manager for their giant uh, CBS-owned news station back in the day, KCBS. He helped create and was the general original general manager for a long time for Alice, one of their hipster uh, FM stations, and Alice has been copied all over the country. You know, so Steve and then Steve went on to, oh gosh, he worked for Intercom, he worked for Bonneville most recently. He was the market manager for Bonneville, and now he's the VP of sales. For Lawrence Amaturo's group up in Sonoma, up in the wine country, and uh, I'm trying to find out from my sources kind of what the motivation is there for a guy that's been at the top of the mountain in terms of management in a top ten market at, at you know for big groups now finds himself you know leading sales meetings for the local guys in in
0: uh, in Sonoma. So hey, you know, but. You and I disagree a little bit on this. I, I I think that there's a real love of doing that kind of thing. It's You're much more hands on the ground, much more, you know, you're much closer to the action in a small market like that or relatively small market like that. I, You know, he just, and this is a great way to wind down a career. You know, so,
1: yeah, I, I get the idea. That's why we're doing this. It's kind of fun to do, and it keeps us connected to the business. But Steve's had a, a you know, I've probably known him for 15, I don't know, maybe I first met him in 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. You know, Steve has a, a, a very big heart for public service. I mean, he really does live that. What can I do for the community? And he's always been involved in various charities and various things up in up in Marin County where he lives. But apparently, that's you're right. That's probably not enough. And uh, hey, you know, make a few shekels and uh, help uh, help Michael and and Lawrence who are good guys
0: They're out good a little guys. bit. And,
1: yeah. uh, and by the way, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, they, maybe they've hired him to, to go out and, you know, go back down to the city and, and make some calls on all the, all the big agency buyers that Steve used to call on back in the day and, uh, and get some uh, regional dollars out of Safeway and, you know, the local <laughs> bottlers and all that kind of stuff. He's going to spend a lot of time schlepping around from Petaluma to Santa Rosa, over to Sonoma, down to Napa, over to Vallejo. He's, you know, he's going to put a few miles on the car, so hopefully he's gotten a car deal out of, uh, out of Lawrence and one of his dealerships.
0: <laughs> well, I think there are a lot of guys who would like to be able to live in a market like Santa Rosa and work radio. It's, uh, it's a lovely place. Okay, listen, before, before we run, uh, you and I have both watched the acquisition of Tegna by uh, Standard General, right? And this has languished at the FCC for the past 15 months. And now, kiss of death, the FCC has ordered the deal be administratively reviewed. And that truly is the kiss of death. Remember when Sinclair was trying to buy Tribune? Yep. At that point, as soon as Sinclair knew there was an administrative review, they said, we're out of here. So I'm not saying it's over, but the interesting thing is the stock dropped 25%. (laughs) on news of that yeah. uh, of that administrative uh, review. So, as we predicted last year, remember very specifically, we spoke about the fact that i we think the deal is dead, that this is not going to happen. So, we'll talk more about it next week when there's more reaction to it mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens. So, that's it for this week. Yeah, that's the that's big our, news in
1: TV land, so yeah, it, we wrapped it up.
0: Okay. So, I just want to remind everybody that Media Insultant is a production of In-Town Media. We do interim contract management for radio. And you can find our podcast just about anywhere that there are podcasts. You will not find it at Safeway or at Home Depot, but at a podcast location, you'll find Media Insultant. Videos are always on the Media Insultant Showcase on Vimeo. And we drop a new show each Wednesday. So, Keith... So fun catching up on what's going on. Glad you're not snowed in. Stay warm. And until we do this next week, you have a good week, my friend. Thank you.
1: (laughs) You take care, buddy. Talk to you soon.